Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and I'm an avid book lover. I really love listening to authors tell their story. So in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to a well-known author and we also update you on other news from the books world. If you want to get in touch, you can drop us a line on email on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is insidebooks.ire and you'll also find other news there such as great book events happening around the country. And thank you to the many who have been in touch recently, congratulating us on being named as one of the best podcasts to listen to in 2017 by the Sunday Business Post newspaper. Now, later in the programme, we'll be talking to Ali and Turtle Bunbury, who will tell us what it's like to have two writers living in one house. But first, if you have young teenagers in your house, the chances are you'll be familiar with the name Shane Hegarty. He's the author behind the action-packed kid series Darkmouth. The fourth book was released earlier this year and a film adaptation is in the pipeline. Shane You were working as a journalist with the Irish Times when you hit on the idea for the book and I believe it was actually a train journey that inspired you. Yeah, I was was literally sitting on the floor of the train. On the floor? uh, On the floor because it was a packed train as the commuter train from Scaries into Dublin is. Fair enough. And uh, I could have tried to be a pregnant woman and get a seat. (laughs) I wasn't going to pull that (laughs) one off. So, uh, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd spent years as a writer uh, but writing, journalism, reviews, interviews, and I'd written a couple of history books. Um, but all I really wanted to do from a very young age was write a, an adventure story, a story that had, you know, kind of crazy elements to it, that had uh, jokes in it, that had scary bits, that had goodies and baddies and different worlds and monsters and all those things all in one. Uh, and as sometimes happens, you you convince yourself that maybe it, you're not very good at it, uh, especially when you spend your time doing journalism. You kind of think, well, ima- the imagination is a whole other realm. I don't know if I'll be able to sort of go in there and find the stories. But I'd, I'd been putting it off and putting it off. And I was just sitting on the train one day and I this idea came to me uh, while I was sitting there, which is what if there was a town on earth where legends of myth still invade. And uh, in that town, you have this family whose job for years had been to keep them out, uh, keep the town safe. What if there was a really brilliant legend hunter in that family? Uh, but what if he had a kid and the kid, it was up to the kid to take on the role, uh, fight the monsters, defend the town, save the world? And what if he wasn't very good at it? And I remember that idea hitting me as I was coming into Connolly Station and immediately knowing that while looking for all this stuff in my own imagination, actually so much of my own town, my own life, uh, my own personality, you know, as a 12-year-old, it was all there. And that that story was waiting to be kind of just thrown into the mix. Um, because I was going to say, it sounds like the idea nearly came fully formed. It was certainly that that thread of the idea was there from the very beginning, from the very beginning. And, and sometimes, and I've learned this over the last, I suppose I learned it as a journalist, sometimes an idea, you see an idea and you know that's a really good story. Mm. And as soon as, I, as this idea came to me, and I'd been rummaging around for a while just for the right thing, it just it just hit me that this is this this ends right. This kid who just doesn't want to have to do this, who's at the bottom of this long chain of 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 people who've been brilliant at it before him, and and again immediately start thinking of things uh, in your own life. And I would have at that stage been involved in sport as I am now with my own kids and you'd see and I would have done this a little bit where you see kids being pushed onto a GAA mm. pitch or a rugby pitch and they don't really want to do it yeah. or uh, 
you know, some things like that. And I just immediately all those ideas came into my head of you can you can take this fantastical idea but make it grounded in some sort of reality. So did you jump up on the train and shout, Eureka! I actually jumped up because I was about to miss my stop, I think. Um, but I pretty much from there on in, I would have written a lot of it on the train. Right. Uh, a lot of it in the canteen in the Irish Times, at lunch times, uh, you know, in the evenings. I remember I had a two-week holiday. We had twins coming along, so we've got oh, four well, kids. Just throw it all in, in the middle, you know? My, but the reason I say this is my wife, Maeve, was amazing because so I had two weeks off and she while while the twins were very very small and she was just said to me go into Dublin go into the National Library like you're going to work every day and so I spent you know my my holiday time working a nine to five writing on the book in the National Library was the only place I could get some quiet so uh, And and you knew the process because you have form you had written books previously as such so you knew what you were getting yourself into even though this is fiction No Did you not? I had no idea No Really? Was it totally different? (laughs) It's very different It's very different Writing fiction is a fascinating exercise because when you write a a non-fiction when you write a history book you have everything there. It's about taking the pieces and just saying, okay, uh, for instance, myself and Vincent O'Toole wrote a book in 1916 and our approach was day by day using eyewitness accounts. So that immediately... So you're nearly collating you, somebody else's material you ha- nearly. Yeah, and you're reshaping that. So, but you have a structure. You know when it begins and you know how it ends. Mm-hmm. When you're writing fiction, there's, you can start off with some big, amazing moment or you can create a character. But then what about the world around that character? What about all the other characters? What happens when all those characters have to, as, as happens, they all have to go off in different directions. How do you bring them all back together so at the end for the climax? It's, 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 a, it's almost like a kind of a jigsaw puzzle, I suppose. You're constantly just finding the right shape for it. And um, I would work in a way where I generally know where I'm starting the book and where I'm ending the book. So it's the middle bit. That's it's the, the middle bit. And there's always, so I tend to write about a third of the way and then I'll have a look back and then I'll get two thirds and then I'll have a look back and often you'll find, oh, there's a character who's entirely disappeared uh, Let's 150 pages back. ago uh, or whatever. But you, it, it's a gradual process, I suppose, of, of just finding how all those pieces fit. And when you're writing the books that I write, which every chapter has to end really on a cliffhanger, um, they're my, that's my, uh, my own rule. And it's constant action and everything has to be moving forward. And yet the character has to be moving forward as well. Um, you're just you're just always finding just the way all those pieces knit together. And then interestingly, you know, Finn, who's your main character, he's about 13 years of age. He's 13 at the moment. Yeah, he was. He started off just as he was 12. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's done 13. a lot in 12 months. He's he? done a lot. And, but that's <laughs> the fun of it, because you start writing a character that these really insane things are happening to. And because it's part of his family legacy, his dad just goes, well, that's how we are. That's what we're supposed to do. And yet he also has to go to school and get his homework done. And, and have all a of normal, that. normal life. Um, but how do you put yourself into the mind frame of a child of that age? You see, I think that um, it, 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 we, we were all kids. So but it is a while ago. It, well, it is a while ago. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. Um, you know, I think a lot of, the truth is, uh, you know, a lot of that of, of, of of our childhood still in us. And I remember what I was like when I was that age. And I wasn't very confident or sure of myself. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but in your head, you wanted big adventures. You wanted big adventures. Mm. So in some ways, I you can find that. And I don't think that leaves us, really. It certainly hasn't left me. I still think there's a big part of that 
when I, you know, what I was when I was 12 and 13 is still in my head. And obviously you looking back at you at that age, but obviously you've got kids of your own. So do you find yourself then writing life lessons nearly for kids into the storylines? No, I try not to do that. It's more that I'm interested in the characters. So Finn is, is obviously said, starts off not very confident, not very competent. And I like to explore what happens when he has more and more of these adventures and near-death experiences and how that affects him. What happens if he starts getting cocky as the series goes on. But he has a friend, Emmy, who's 12, and she arrives in the town wanting all the adventure and excitement that he doesn't want. Right. She's and pushing him. So she's pushing him. And then well, what happens to her character as they have all these, they react quite differently. So I'm actually led more by the characters. Mm-hmm. And it is a strange thing when you're writing a series and you're writing a world is how much you get to know that world and the characters, how much you care about them, how much in a way they do come to life um, and that world comes to life. And, you know, that's that's what you want for the reader. You, you want to bring dream about them. that world, I wonder. Do we dream about it? It's a good question. Because it, it's no, in your head so much, I wonder, does it? Does no, it, I don't dream about the world, but I certainly have, I would wake up if I'm stuck I do like to write sometimes myself. I like to write into a corner. Mm-hmm. So I will. I, I, I like the idea that if there are occasions where I don't know what's going to happen next, then the reader is definitely not going, going to, know to know what happens next. Yeah. Now, the trick for me is to make sure that it, what happens next makes sense and that it works within the story and it brings it forward. So it's more that I would have those moments. Sometimes when I'm stuck where I will wake up at three in the morning w- trying to figure out how I get him off the... Uh, cliff ledge or whatever it is <laughs> that I've done piece. to him because he, he's been thrown out of buildings you know towers uh, 50 foot tall towers he's been buried underground and he's by alive. soil that's trying to eat him <laughs> and he's <laughs> um, uh, he's exploded um, so you know there's, I'm, I'm always they, they all have to make sense without going over the top of course no no well I mean <laughs> you do there is a when you're writing a fantasy series for that age, you're allowed to go a little bit over the top. And, and just to go back then, I think you went after an agent as opposed to a publisher. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Um, I Again, I think my naivety about how it worked, I wrote a few chapters and I sent them to Marianne Gunn O'Connor, who's a very good agent here in Dublin and represents Cecilia Hearn. Um, and... And I'd had some contact with her through the Irish Times just in regards to Cecilia. Um, and I just took a flyer and I just sent these chapters and, and she really loved it and got back to me. And I I don't think I really appreciated at the time how lucky I was Absolutely. there. And, and she gave me encouragement and she would have waited until the book was ready or a version of it was ready before she brought it out then. And I do think that if people are looking at writing, it's not it's not... You know, it's, it, it, you don't absolutely have to do it, but I do think an agent is very important. Does help. It does, yeah. And at what point did you, or were you able to decide that you could give up the day job and just focus on this full time? Well, I was lucky that when HarperCollins wanted four of the Darkmouth books, so I had to really make a decision there and then. A four book deal. Four I book mean, that's deal. That's quite substantial. Yeah. And it was going to be over a period of time, so I knew really that I wasn't going to be able to do both things. Mm-hmm. And, but the truth is, what I was going towards my 40s at that stage it was I think it was 38 39 and it felt to me like look here's a chance to just give something a go let's see how it goes for a few years um, what's the worst that can Absolutely. happen you know, and I, what, what was the reaction of your you know your colleagues or your friends and your, your industry they were brilliant brilliant and I think you know when you work in the Irish Times or when you work in any newspaper there used to be an old joke that if the building ever went up in flames uh, 
there would be 600 half-written, half-written novels, novels burnt down on the computers. Exactly. Hidden under the desk so or in it, the computer. You know, especially in the Irish Times, which is a place that still loves and encourages writing and literature. Um, it still does book reviews in a way that no other paper quite does in Ireland anymore. Um, and so they, they gave, you know, they were, they were happy uh, to see you go on. And you miss the journalism aspect? Uh, I miss the people for sure. I used to love working there and I used to love being able to turn around if you were stuck. So as an editor and, uh, as well as a writer there and if you were, you could just turn around and ask one of your colleagues, you know, for advice on things. I would sit in my own in an office very happily, I have to say. <laughs> um, but you don't really have that thing. You know, the you can be quite, I- it's quite isolating. But, um, and I do miss a variety of journalism. I love the fact that I didn't, the great thing about journalism is you can become an expert on something for about 24 hours exactly. and then forget then it completely yeah. <laughs> the next. And um, so uh, actually I'd, I, I, I wrote a piece recently for the Irish Times and thought, God, I actually really enjoyed doing that. So um, I would, I'm, I'm, you know, wouldn't mind doing some more. Uh, but I think generally, like it's such a privilege to sit in an office write these just go into this world go in your head, head. Exactly. Yeah, and write these kind of crazy stories and then meet these incredible readers I mean the age group that I write for that for the eight up um, although I have younger readers and I have older readers uh, they're amazing there's no cynicism about them mm. they, uh, they if you ask uh, does anybody have a question you'll get all the hands will go up I've never finished an event where I've managed to answer all the and questions and you do a lot of events and you make a point of doing that with yeah kids. well it's just, I think as a children's writer you have to really as well because that's where you engage with your readers mm-hmm. um, and you find your readers but also because they're so invigorating and they, as I said the kids are amazing like they're they, they're genuinely and I really mean this I think they're the best readership you can have because they they love your books uh, you know, and when they love your books, they tell you that they love them, and they 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 reread them, right? And they obsess about them, but in a very good way. Yeah. And I've done a couple. Of, I did an adult event recently where I where I remember that thing that I, that that uh, you get sometimes at adult events where if you say, "Has anybody got any questions?" A hand goes up, and you get a, a statement that As lasts three minutes long. Yeah. With kids, you've no idea what's going to happen yeah. next. Now the great news is it's going to be a film. Yeah. Wow. I know they're working away on it over in uh, in Hollywood at the moment. And why uh, aren't you Warner there Brothers. with them? <laughs> I know. Well, uh, it's an animated uh, film, and I think if you've ever seen me draw, you will know that uh, <laughs> there's a very good reason why I'm not. And there. are you involved in the process at all? Uh, a certain amount. They have uh, so they have a couple of brilliant directors in um, Dave Pimentel and Doug Sweetland. And Doug directed a film called Storks last year, and he's a Pixar veteran, Oscar nominated. And Dave was a big part of Moana. He was head of story there. No so pressure, Shane. They no know what pressure. they're doing. Oh yeah. God, so they. Yeah. So I see. I've seen storyboarding and some of the initial drawings and that kind of thing. But and how close to the original is it? Um, I, I, at the moment, I don't know exactly because they've still the script and all of that still been worked on. I've always worked on the idea that it will change. It will be different. A book is a book. The words are the words um, that I've written and that. The spirit will be, in a, is the important thing. If this, once the spirit is there, and I know the spirit is there, I'm quite I'm okay with changes that they make. And when will we see it? 2019. Okay, right. So a little bit of animation time. does take time. It does take time, but uh, yeah. So 2019. So I'm looking forward to 
it'll be a very strange experience. It'll be very odd sitting there looking yeah. at, at your creation on the screen and, yeah. and the name of your book on the screen. And I assume the premiere will be in Ireland. It'll have to be. I hope so. Well, I live close <laughs> to Balbriggan. It's a local cinema. So obviously <laughs> I want everybody over there. So what else is in the pipeline? Number Book number four is on the shelves at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so uh, Hero Rising, which is the fourth book, is on the shelves at the moment. And then uh, I'm writing a new Darkmouth book at the moment. And we'll see where the story goes and then kind of hard I have worked on a couple of other things as well but I'm waiting just to see how they develop and um, such as well I've worked I've kind of worked on another kids novel just as a standalone and so uh, what about an adult novel do you know I, at the moment no I don't have any great I it's just I don't know I've, I've like my favourite books um are the Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy okay. series. Actually, the first two really are just phenomenal books. And in some ways, uh, they were they were, they were were books I read as teenagers because when we didn't have a huge amount of books for teenagers. And I think I'm very much still in that in fantasy that world. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I, I, I love writing fantasy. I love writing just jokes and straight out kind of, you know, trying to find surreal situations. And, and when you have a readership that's completely open to that as you do with kids... Um, I just it's it, they're just a wonderful Makes audience right but again it's always about the story if the right story comes along maybe but I do want to be throwing my characters off a cliff and out a <laughs> tower window and exploding them or whatever and um, there's only so much you, that you can get away with I think in adult fiction and last question do you check under your bed at night for monsters uh, <laughs> I have to continually tell my four year old and uh, twins and my six year old that there are no ghosts and uh uh, they have. They don't believe me yet. <laughs> so, yes. uh, but uh, so uh, when the the German cover of the Darkman books glows in the dark, and I've oh, had to take that me. out of their room because it's got this big fangs and dripping blood and everything, and it glows in the dark. So I'm scaring them with my own books at such a young age. God <laughs> Almighty! Well, Shane Hegarty, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books, and don't forget that the Darkmouth books are in all bookshops now. Follow us on Twitter on Inside Books IRE or email us on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie. Have you ever wondered what it's like to have not one, but two writers in the house? Is it a recipe for disaster or can it work? Well, I'm hoping that Ali and Turtle Bumbery will be able to answer that question for us. Ali's debut novel, The Inheritance, hit bookshelves last year to great acclaim. From Monaghan and now living with Turtle and their two daughters in Carlo, Ali began writing after a career in PR and communications that took her to the glamorous social scenes of London and New York. Turtle, meanwhile, is an historian Historian who has written books on everything from 1916, 1847, which was the year of the famine in Ireland, and the Dublin Docklands, as well as the Vanishing Ireland series. So, two writers, one house. Does it work? <laughs> I think it works a treat, to be honest. How about you? Yes, it seems to. Um, we have a very long kitchen table, and in the <laughs> evening, uh, you can generally find Turtle tapping away at one end, and I am at the other. And do you write at night or during the day, or is it an ongoing? Well, at night as well. Well, because um, I'm a you know full time mother when I'm not um, writing. So when the children at last go to bed, um, I try to as many nights as possible to sit down um, and and get going. And then turtle. Uh, well, I, usually, I yeah, yeah. By day, I run away to another office actually in the, right. in, the, in the town of Tullow, the lovely little town ah. not far away. Uh, but then I come back. And, and that gives you the headspace then to write, does it? That gives me the headspace, exactly. And actually more than headspace because I'm a historian, so therefore there are quite a lot of books around and uh, I think it might upset the kitchen table <laughs> if I put all my uh, history yes. books all over it. Yeah, I hot desk. 
So right. I literally could just, it's just me and my laptop, so I can pretty much write from everywhere. And it's the fact that you both write different types of books. So Turtle, as you said, history, so therefore a lot of research, a lot of books, whereas yours, Ali, is it's fiction. Yes, it's coming entirely from my my um, imagination and uh, which is a very uh, vivid imagination well, I might add it's great it's great fun um, uh, I always say it's amazing where you can travel to from your kitchen table and you travel a lot of places quite a few places yeah. Inheritance is your first book and they've called it A Cross Between The Devil Wears Prada Meets Bridget Jones so they say yeah so it's um, and I had so much fun writing it and uh, I dipped into all sorts of experiences I had you know I started off working in PR in New York and then moving to London so I could draw on the different characters I met, the different, you know, buildings from really luxurious urban settings right back to um, country houses and uh, then some, you know, funny experiences I had with clients. And so it was very sort of, much writing about what you know. Yeah, it was. And then it wasn't just the um, the, the work side of it. It was also um, I could meet one character maybe at a party and then I thought about them and then I maybe changed their character a little bit in my head and then I let them have their adventure. Maybe, you know, they might. And yeah. you, you were working in PR in London and New York. So where yeah. did the urge to write come from then? Well, I mean, I guess when, you, when you're in PR, you're always writing. You're thinking creatively. You're writing creatively. You're thinking headlines. Uh, taglines. Um, so I think even when I became a full-time mother, I just didn't stop doing that. You know, I was just continuously, um, uh, I don't know, just, just being inspired, just daily life, meeting people and finding myself in funny situations. And then I just, uh, I don't know, I, I just thought, well, why not? Give it a go. I just gave it a go. It wasn't something that I always wanted to do necessarily. Did thought, the fact that you're married to a writer, did that encourage? 100% because I see Turtle, I mean, he's obviously has his own office away from home. But in the evenings, especially when he was writing to a book deadline, I saw his discipline and how he just took it in his stride and it just wasn't a big deal. So I thought, well, why not? I just saw his, his <laughs> method. that hard. I think his methodology of working. And I thought, well, maybe if I can... I know he's writing history and fact, a lot of research, but surely it's the same thing, except I don't have to delve into um, archives, which mm. is quite handy. And did she ask you for tips, Turtle? Um, I think that they're occasionally, yeah. every now and then. <laughs> and I, I did you offer them or were you, hmm? Keep calm and carry on <laughs> and all that. Yeah, especially the romantic scenes. You know, is this realistic? Would he really say that? You know, George Wyndham, when he meets Anna Rose, did, is this really, do you think he could really feel like but this? George is teaching me a few, uh, a few things, actually, in fairness. Oh, all right, okay. more so romantic than I ought to. It goes both ways. It, and Turtle, when did the writing begin for you then? Uh, I started writing diaries when I was very young, like when I was eight or nine. And um, by the time I was 14 or 15, the diaries were actually being read by my friends deliberately. So I'd write accounts of weekends and stuff like that. So really, it was a, a logical, um, you know, move from there. I was going to say, you must have censored some of the content if you were letting your friends read it. Uh, probably a little bit every now and then. All right. Um, and then uh, I've always had a love for history. So the two sort of, you know, came together uh, as quite logically, really. Um, and that is, yeah. So, And your topics, again, it's everything from the famine of 1847 to 1916. So do you hit on topics that you personally enjoy? S- yes, I do. And I also like to just shoot into a completely different era or a different time frame every now and then. At the moment, I'm really interested in the 1780s, uh, the Georgian age. Um, so I just, because Why I think they're that? all interconnected. 
Why the Georgian age mm-hmm. in particular? Um, I just, I love that colour, the colour of it was the, I'm talking about the 1780s, 1790s, which was the age of Grattan's Parliament. It was a golden age for Ireland and a sort of Celtic tiger of its own, the last one before the last could, one. Could we learn some lessons from uh, it, I wonder? Uh, well, that one ended up in a great rebellion, so <laughs> hopefully there aren't too many lessons on that. But it was just a very colourful, flamboyant time and I, I just find it very, very interesting. And you also try and make history accessible, I suppose. You love the real stories. I do, and I actually, I was just thinking about it there, listening to Ali talk. I do think that that is in part from being married to Ali because um, the whole idea of making history rather than it being you know, really heavy, heavy going stuff, I thought about making something that was more approachable for people. And, you know, we live in that age where everything uh, should be a lot more visual, I think, because everybody has much more you know, insight into what uh, things look like through um, the Internet, obviously. So, yeah, I do think that is a big aspect. And Vanishing Ireland, again, that was a great concept. Again, visual and written. That is, uh, yeah, I mean, the visual is extremely strong there. The close-up images of all these amazing faces. But for me, that was incredible as a historian to get the opportunity. We, we met maybe 250 people in their 80s, 90s, 100s and to have interviewed all those people and to hear their stories, their life stories as a historian. That was incredible. So you basically went across the country with your photographer, James Fennell, and yeah. and met these people and got their story and put it into book form. Correct. Yeah, into, into four four books. And then there was a lot more that didn't actually make it into the books that are on online. Um, so, and who yeah. came up with that idea? Um, well, I used to go down and visit a lovely little lady called Betty Scott, who kind of was like a grandmother to me. And I'd sit and chat with her when I was young. And... Um, I started thinking, gosh, must start interviewing her. So started interviewing her and then her next door neighbours who were also of the same vintage. And then uh, I was just going to do it as a book form. And then we realised that they've got such great faces. And James is a brilliant portrait photographer. So he started taking the photos and uh, Vanishing Ireland was born. And how long does it take or did it take for each individual book then? Because it seemed quite, quite a lot was involved. Yeah, we'd go on the road for, I suppose, uh, each book had about 40 characters in each one. So we probably would go on the road for four or five weeks, six weeks maybe in total for each one and uh, just interview away. It's terrific. While Ali was at home writing her, her fiction instead. I know, it is... Um it, it uh, but it it does as Ted was saying that the um because it's not exactly as if our writing is opposites well maybe it is mm. I mean mine is you know I was it, it, I started reading um Julie Cooper when I was about fourteen or fifteen and she was the person who actually really um opened up that kind of style of of going into you know quite extravagant glamorous settings. Which and is exactly what the inheritance which is. is. So she obviously influenced yes, you in that it is. sense. But also there's there's a bit of um it's some of it's quite grounded that it's not all um frivolous. Too over the top. Too over the top. I'm, yeah, and I'm constantly asking Turtle what words mean as well. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Turtle can I really use that He's word? Handy. It's handy to have a walking talking yes, dictionary, yes, you yeah. know. Um and I suppose to go back to Vanishing Ireland then, have you another one in the pipeline? I'd love to at some stage. Uh, James Fennell, the photographer, now runs a place called Burton House in Kildare, which is a very busy restaurant uh, and stuff. And so I'm not sure I'll see him uh, for a couple of years, but uh, I should think. But uh, ultimately, yes, we'd love to, because it is, you know, the idea of sitting down talking to people who are in the t- twilight years is always going to be interesting, no matter what time frame it's going to be in. You know, in, in 100 years time, it's going to be interesting. Um, and I, I think it's really important. I wish more people would do it, go and interview people and get their reflections on life and their wisdom. And it's, it is learned. a social documentary. And it's a social documentary, mm-hmm. yeah. So, no, I'd love to do more. I mean, I do um, quite a lot every year anyway of interviews with old timers. So what about fiction then, Turtle? 
Well, um, <laughs> having watched my wife show me how, how it's done, I might well move into it before okay. too long. Do you have any concepts in mind or plots? I do, that... yeah, I do. Oh. And I think it'd be quite fun to um, move into that world, um, to be honest, because having been, I mean, it would be history-based, um, but having spent 15, 20 years researching all this history, then I think, well, that seems like a quite a logical background in which to drop a fictional plot and to play the game. So I'll give it a whirl. And if it doesn't work, I'll do Vanishing Ireland, Volume 56. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and Ali, do you think now you'll be taking out the red pen to his first proof of his uh, first fiction novel? I would say before too long, most definitely. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll be, I would be, uh, well, I'd, I'd certainly read it. But I think, um, yes, I think I would. I'm sure the red pen would be out a little bit now. <laughs> yeah. be out a little bit, yeah. And do you think you'll ever work on a book together? Really good question. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I run through plot lines of the turtle a lot. Um, I'm working on my next book at the moment, and it's really helpful uh, to have a sounding just, board. Just to have a sounding board, and also a creative thinker. You know, turtle's a big creative thinker, and also drawing on, like you're saying, drawing drawing on history is really interesting um, because people have always been people, and people have always been having affairs, and people have always been ambitious, and people have always been in business. You know, so you've got even though the 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 um the eras are different. The actual personalities are often the same. So, it's... I might I might nab some of Ali's characters from my fiction book. Though. You could see if they'll have a cameo role in my one. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> combine them together. Yeah. And the second book, Ali. Then can you tell us anything? Um, well, uh, it is. So it's not exactly a sequel to The Inheritance, um, but Gilda Winterbottom, the PR queen, does return. And um, again, it's quite glamorous. Uh, but it's, I would call it a big house romance. So it is chiefly set in a lovely rambling house in Ireland. And um, when are you hoping to have it out? It will be coming out in the summer of 2018. Ah, OK. And yes. are you, are you, have you finished writing it? I am just about, I can see that finish line. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. We're nearly there. Yes. We're nearly there. Yes. Exactly. And I suppose just to go back as well, in terms of when you did decide you wanted to write, how did you go about getting a publisher? Well, I really, I think there's something, uh, ignorance is bliss. I think um, I hadn't, I just, I didn't actually even ask Turtle. I just put something together and I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? People can say no, but why not? So I I really threw caution to the wind, I think is what you say, and I sent it out only to Irish publishers and I sent to five Irish publishers. And I received the most lovely replies Rejections, but so lovely and really, I mean, positive rejection. Can you have an encouraging rejection? You can. Mm. They said, you know, this it just isn't for us, but we like your style or something, something else. They say, and I said, well, that's not the worst. That's not the worst. And then um, it uh, the 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 characters caught the eye of Paula Campbell of Poolbeg mm-hmm. and um, you know 12 months later it was in my hand so it was And did you have much work to do from I suppose the copy that you submitted to what turned into the final edition of the yes. book? Yes I mean yes I mean I um, it, there was a lot of work to do uh, simply because I didn't have the experience so I had to flesh out the characters more just it, I think the, the overall concept was absolutely spot on but I just needed more of what I had already uh, so I really had to work very hard on it. But every I felt every day I was learning and I still feel that. So it's a lovely 
uh, a lovely feeling to know that that um, you're working on something that is hopefully improving your style. And well, I think we will have a time where we have both titles, one by Ali and one by Turtle, on the uh, fiction bookshelves. Oh by. yes, well that'll be exciting indeed. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, hopefully before too long. Watch yeah. this space, as watch they say. This watch space. this space. Well, Ali and Turtle Bunbury, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Books. And don't forget that Ali's book, The Inheritance, is in all bookshops now. And you'll find more details on alibunbury.com and turtlebunbury.com. Thank you very much. much. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes of Inside Books, just search for us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you want to get in touch, email us on InsideBooks at UniqueMedia.ie. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 